Hey Slingers, another week, another Word Slinger podcast. I'm glad you could drop by. Now today I'm talking to Justin Sloan. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, he's also a former co-host of mine on a couple of podcasts. We're going to be talking to him about transitioning from writing for the gaming industry to writing full-time. Plus, some great news uh, that you're going to want to stick around for. So see you on the other side. This episode of the Word Slinger podcast is brought to you by draft to digital Convert your manuscript, distribute it online, and get support the whole way at drafttodigital.com. It's the Word Slinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand, write your book, redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours? Now, here's the guy who invented pants optional. Kevin Tomlinson, the Word Slinger. Word Slinger. And I am Kevin Tomlinson, the Word Slinger. I am so glad you're here because otherwise it's just me talking to uh, a camera with a funky microphone in front of me. Uh, <laughs> thanks for being around. I am. Uh, I'm. I'm coming off of some interesting stuff, RV wise. Um, I like to give little updates about the RV. I hope you don't mind. But <laughs> before we get into the interview with Justin Sloan today, <clears throat> I um I just got the RV back from a from a renter, uh, and a bunch of stuff went wrong for these folks on their trip. I was I was very <laughs> it made me very anxious, uh, but I I came to grips with it. Um, there really wasn't much to do, although I did have to drop uh, three hundred bucks on a repair that I shouldn't have had to uh, make, but. Um, you know, it's not their fault. I mean, is, you know, things go wrong. That's what happens with RVs. RVs break. <laughs> they just break. Everything breaks. Everything on an RV is just cheaply built and it breaks. Um, but I had a couple of issues that, uh, wasn't thrilled about. I got an issue with the windshield wipers. They just disintegrate every single time I've ever used them ever, ever. They've just disintegrated parts fall off on them, uh, from them. Uh, they just, they overextend, uh, they never work. The windshield wipers never, ever work. Um, but uh, And then the renter uh, calls me at like 11 o'clock one night this past week to say that um, the uh, first that the auto leveling wasn't working and that there was a problem there. Uh, now it turns out that doesn't seem to be a problem at all. I think, I think that one was a fluke. But when he was stepped out to try to check things out, the step, the little automated step, the retractable step broke sheared off a bolt. <laughs> so I got to fix that. But as it turns out, uh, Thor, after a lot of persuasion for me, I managed to leverage my uh, social media presence in my platform. Uh, they, they ended up finding out I was an author and a podcaster, uh, with a, with a large platform. And, uh, I managed to leverage that to get them to finally get back to me with, um, with the information I needed. Uh, and they sent me a couple of recalls. One was for the windshield wipers, of course. And then there was one for that step. So <laughs> I get to, I get to take those in and have those fixed, I think. So, uh, that, that's going to be cool. I'm looking forward to getting that. Unfortunately, I have a renter, another renter, uh, picking the thing up in just a couple of days. So, and that's a big rental and I don't want to lose it. <laughs> They're going to have it for a month. So, um, oh man. This is uh, the life of uh, RV rental is, is interesting, uh, but it's been a good, it's, this has been good. 
this has been a, a good learning process. I'm very handy anyway, but it's been good to get my hands on the RV and, and learn some things about it in a new way. It takes some of the edge off. It takes away some of the anxiety about it when, you, uh, when you're intimate with how things work, when you put your hands on it and learn how to do it. Uh, I talked about this, I think, last time. Um, it's been a good experience, and uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily trade it. Uh, I would like to have just money coming in with no effort, but, you know, it's a good life lesson to, to take to heart. Speaking of money coming in with no effort, uh, my good friend Justin Sloan, if, you, uh, if you're a listener, if you're a longtime listener, you know that I interviewed him on this show several, uh, a couple of years ago now. Um, and uh, not only that, but you know, he and I were co-hosts on two different shows. Um, there was his show, The Creative Writing Career Podcast, which I was a co-host with him and Stefan Bugai. Um, I think I'm still technically a co-host, but we haven't really done any work together on that for quite some time now. But uh, we were also co-hosts on Nick Thacker's show, the Self-Publishing Answers podcast. And uh, so I've, I've done a lot of work with Justin. I've gotten to hang out with him in person a few times. We've gone to some conferences together. Uh, he's a real good guy. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's in his gaming, when he was writing for games, I mean, he wrote for some pretty big name games. I mean, he wrote for uh, Game of Thrones, Tales of the Borderlands, Walking Dead. Uh, he wrote for the Marvel games. He's, he's got quite a, quite a, uh, Quite a resume behind him. Uh, we're going to be talking to him about transitioning from uh, game writing to full-time novel writing. He is making his full-time living with that work. Uh, when we talked to him the first time, there were you know he wanted to do that, um, and there have always been questions of discoverability, how to get people to notice your work and pick it up. Uh, but he you know he he worked in him into a relationship with like Michael Anderley, who you've also heard on this show, uh, did some collaboration work there, which helped kind of jumpstart things a little, but he's also done collaborations and co-authoring with other authors. And that work seems to do pretty well for him. So, uh, hard to argue with his results. I'm, I'm really interested in, you know, as you may or may not know, I'm, I've done only a couple of collaborations, uh, I've done some stuff with Nick Thacker, uh, but I've also I'm, lately, now I think I'm safe in announcing this because uh, he announced it himself on Facebook to, to people following him, but uh, I'm, I'm going to be co-authoring something with Ernest Dempsey. You may remember him from a, a previous episode. We're both archaeological thriller authors, and uh, you know we, we've taken a look at each other's work. We've sniffed each other's butts, and uh, we think we could work well together. So we both had a similar idea at the same time is what happened <laughs> and decided that rather than write competing books, which we don't really believe in competing books, but if rather than write two books on essentially the same topic at around the same time, we will uh, combine our powers by our powers combined. We will, we will have a book and or series. Uh, so we're going to start with a book. We'll see how that works out, but really excited about that. I love Ernie. Um, he's a good guy. <clears throat> we're very similar. We have similar backgrounds. Um, we're constantly amazed at the things we have in common. So it's good. It's good to meet bros like that out in the world. Uh, we, you know, and I tend to, I tend to lapse into bromance mode with guys like Ernie. <laughs> I'm surprised Ernie and I are not already doing a podcast together. We've talked about some things. <laughs> so anyway, um, I don't want to, I don't want to roll this on too long. I want to get right into this interview so you can get the the biggest bang for your buck. Uh, I hope you uh, enjoy this chat with my good friend, Justin Sloan. Stick around afterwards. 
we got some news items you're really going to hear about uh some stuff about book funnel and uh new print codes which you're going to dig kobo and their relationship with walmart we got an update on that and my favorite story of all i'm going to make this my story of the week um how you as an author can lease a virtual apple mac for your own personal use so stick around after uh the interview for that news and i'll see you on the other side hey welcome to the creative writing career podcast no, hey, welcome to the Word Slinger Podcast, and today I'm talking to uh, a good friend of mine. He's been a co-host of mine on on uh, his show, the Creative Writing Career Podcast, which I, I haven't been on in quite some time, unfortunately, uh, but I'm talking to Justin Sloan. He's the author of Star Forged, which you ought to be able to pick up right about now on Amazon, uh, and uh, we're going we're gonna to have a great conversation, man. It's been a while, Justin. We haven't talked much. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it was still our show, Creative Writing Career Podcast. It's just I'm the only one doing it anymore. <laughs> and, and I mean, I don't know. I don't even know, really know why. Like, I'm here. You, if you want to hit me up, man, look, yeah. just let That's me know. I, I never know when anybody's coming on. So Yeah, I think we tried to schedule it for a while, and then we just kind of, like, yeah. gave up, and then, and then it just rolled from there. So, Well, then well, everybody we moved. You know, everybody's yeah. like – when I went on the road uh, in the RV, that kind of made some things impossible. Right. Um, I don't even really know why it, it shouldn't have, uh, but there were just all these like complications and everybody, I kept moving, you're moving, uh, you had babies. There's all kinds yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Who knows what happened to Stefan? I think actually Stefan may have been co-opted by one of the uh, robots that he, uh, that he was working on there at Hanson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not convinced that Stefan wasn't a robot anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we missed that guy. He officially bowed him. out at some point. Unlike us, we're just kind of like, we didn't know what happened. We're just kind of like, oh, let's do it here and there if we feel like it. Oh, did he actually drop out? He, he was too busy. Yeah, he officially bowed out. He's like, I know we've been trying to schedule. Like for a while, we were talking about doing it on Sundays or nine o'clock at night on weekdays or yeah. like, all these options were coming up. But we're just, everybody's just like, nothing's working. Let's just yeah. let's call it. And I'm just going to be honest with you, man. Other than the occasional one-off, uh, I am just not going to do a Sunday nine o'clock no. show. No way. Around like one o'clock when I know I'm going to feel like needing a break from my writing. Uh, today was not that day. Today we had to go register for my daughter for school and deal with all this paperwork and all this stuff. So it's been a, a fun day of 45 minutes of writing so far. Yeah. Yeah. Right. One in the now you, I, 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 I kind of forgot to look it up. I should have looked it up, but, uh, you've actually been on the words on your podcast once before back before. Yeah. yeah. And so that was before we did our thing. That's before. Yeah. It's before I was really a writer, really. I mean, I kind of was, but I, w I was doing the video game thing. I was at Telltale at the time, and I had been on this self-publishing podcast because of that, mostly to talk about the video game stuff, mm -hmm. uh, which isn't exactly, you know, self-publishing, but I was getting into it. And so they figured that was kind of interesting to see, like, how a video game guy transitions. Uh, and, and yeah, lots of stuff has happened since then. Yeah, man. So among those things, uh, you're no longer working in the video game industry. Right. Yeah, yeah. I went to one other place in between and then um, uh, one other video game place along with working as an editor at military.com for a bit uh, and then realized, why am I not writing books all the time? This is silly. That, that was my question. <laughs> there was a yeah. point in there. There's, there was a point in there where you were making enough to make a full-time living at the writing and then you went back to a job anyway. Yeah. And I, I'm like, I'm your friend. I support you in your decision. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand your decision, but I support you. What happened yeah. there? Yeah. Well, so that, that's basically what happened is I, I realized real soon 
like, yes, this is still writing and it's fun and it's video games, but it's, it's not nearly hitting the creative buttons that I want it to hit because when you're writing your own books, you can do what you want, be creative. You can still get that collaborative aspect by working with other people, working with cool beta readers, working with awesome yeah. editors and artists. You know, it's, it hits a lot of the same buttons and I wasn't hitting those buttons at the day job to the degree that I wanted to. And then also, I, like you said, the, the money. So I was looking at it, I was like, wait a minute, this money is starting to go down now because I'm not quite yeah. able to give as much as I was towards the books. Right. Uh, so yeah, I, I talked to my wife and I was like, listen, if we want to keep this income going strong, I kind of have to devote myself to the books. And um, so then when I ended up leaving, we had like a backlog of a, you know how Amazon pays 60 days later. So then we had yeah. like a two month dip because of me taking that day job. Yeah. <laughs> where we had to yeah. make up for. Uh, but yeah, glad, definitely, definitely the right choice. I'm looking back on it now and uh, yeah, it's ended up in some great pace, places. Yeah. Cause you are full-time now. Yep. You're making full-time living. You're making a pretty good living at this now. Yeah. For one year now. It's been a year. For a full year. Yeah. It is kind of crazy. I mean, I, I, you know, we had all those discussions, uh, you know, early on about, you know, what do we got to do to break it? What do we got to do to make it? You know? And yeah. I'm, I'm, I've been watching it, dude. I, I'm, you know, I'm busting proud of you. I'm glad, you know, I'm real happy to see your success. Yeah. It's funny if anybody wants to go back and listen to the old episode and listen to now, I think at the time I was making like a thousand a month or 2000 a month, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's more than that now. So it's awesome. It's more than that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're, um, so what do you think has been the secret of that? Like what, what's, um, what do you contribute that success to? Um, smart people for sure. Uh, you know, mentors, finding people around me who I could learn from. Uh, for example, when I partnered with Michael Anderle, uh, I learned a lot from that guy. Uh, we have different writing styles as far as our prose and, you know, I wasn't trying to change my prose, but yeah. I learned a lot as far as uh, readership and what stories they want. And so there's a lot of self published, not, not self published. There's a lot of people who prefer to read indie fiction because a lot of indie writers will have fun with it and yeah. make it fun. And they're not as worried about like, oh, does this fit the proper story format? They're worried right. about, is this really, really fun? Are these characters super amazing? And is this somebody you want to go to the mall with and do some shopping with when then go beat up some bad guys after together yeah. with? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so this is kind of stuff I learned from writing with him and that I've definitely started applying more to my own fiction. Like I'm less worried about in screenwriting, we do a lot of, you know, the save the cat stuff yeah. and you have the dark moment of the soul and you think about all this. And in my early books, there was a lot of that, you know, you spend like two or three yeah. chapters where he's gone through the dark moment of the soul. He's at his bottom. He's trying to figure out how can he get up? And then he stands up and goes and fights the bad guy. Uh, yeah. But some readers kind of just want to go fight the bad guy and just say, yeah. screw the dark moment stuff. Screw all that emo crap. I just yeah. want to go out there and know that I can kick butt because they're dealing with whatever in their day jobs or they're dealing with medical issues or something. And they don't want to be like depressed. They yeah. want to be thinking, okay, there is a thing that's in my way. It lasts about a paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then we kick it in the face and we tear yeah. off its arm and beat it to death. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. No, yeah. no, I get it, man. It's escapism, right? I mean, you, yeah. you, uh, you don't go see, um, you know, uh, an evil dead movie for these, you know, the psychological and existential angst, <laughs> you know, like yeah. you, you go to see Bruce Campbell with a chainsaw arm taken down undead. So, yeah. uh, yeah. So yeah. Writers probably like that stuff you know there's but it's, it's a different readership and i think it's a lot easier to hit the indie readership by keeping it happy and keeping it upbeat yeah. and, and uh, there's some books it's fine to do the, some people do quite well doing it the other way but you know it's all about also what readership you can reach and if you don't know how to reach that other readership yet then you might not want to be writing the books that can't reach them you know what I mean? so how are, <laughs> how are you reaching your readership 
so nowadays, a lot of it, well, let's say the early steps. A lot of it was reaching out to the authors who have that readership and yeah. helping each other in any way you can. So I have a list now, right? So it, it's a big part of it was back then building up my list uh, through things that we had tried that we've talked about on our podcast before. Like uh, we, we did author plot from Rocket. Uh, we did Insta Freebie. We did a bunch of other groups where you just kind of get groups together and share each other's stuff and say, hey, can you sign up for my newsletter and you'll get this yeah. free book yeah, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so finding the right authors who are similar. And that's, that's what's been key with the right genres. Like I, in fantasy, I tried to do this. It just wasn't working as well. I don't know if it's this, that uh, fantasy is still m- more occupied by the uh, traditional publishers or if it's just that the lists aren't quite the same in fantasy genre versus sci-fi. But in mm-hmm. sci-fi, it was a lot easier to get some big authors who are doing quite well to share their, your information with their list and to get a whole lot of people clicking on it and buying it or a whole lot of people signing up to your newsletter or what have you. And I'm sure some people are doing it great in fantasy, but for me, it wasn't working out that way for some reason, but in the sci-fi, it totally worked out well. So have you officially switched genres then, or are you still doing fantasy stuff? Uh, I always do fantasy. <laughs> Just always, sometimes there's spaceships involved. Some, it's fantasy and space. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. how how much influence did you have over Andrew whole? No, that wasn't Andrew Lee. I'm sorry. I almost I almost attributed something to Andrew Lee that was not his. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I, I'm just going to go ahead and apologize to Chris <laughs> Fox for almost oh. attributing his uh, little what is it the size uh, mages in space kind of thing. Tech mage. <laughs> Tech Mage. I think it's called. Uh, yeah, Tech Mage Chronicles yeah. or something like that. Which are cool. Do you think there's a market for that kind of thing right now? Uh, so, so my books came out at the same time as his about my yeah. uh, sh- uh, Shadow Core books. And they, they seem to perform around the same, which was fine, but it wasn't amazing. So it depends what you're talking about. Like if you're writing books and you want to do fine, you know, like yeah. a few thousand dollars a month, that's cool. But if you want to make like $40,000 a month, like some of these people do, I don't feel like that genre is quite there. Uh, and watching other people who published in it too, it just mm-hmm. didn't really seem to be there. And it's funny because uh, people like him and maybe me and other people published some of these books in these genres. And then you, you watch other people start to do it too. And maybe because they're assuming that we did really well. Yeah. But in reality, they didn't do that well. No, so. they're following that. They, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. You know, well, and maybe they would do well. Maybe they could kill it, but yeah. they're not, they're diving in thinking, oh, that's where the gold pocket is. It's, it's yeah. tech majory. And uh, so if I write a tech mage book, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit strike gold. <laughs> but you guys have written, how many books do you have right now that, are, that fall into your uh, whole sci-fi fantasy thing? Oh, under science fantasy, uh, oh, space fantasy. Well, well, so there's a funny thing that I've started to do where I've realized that I wrote a lot of these as kind of, they could be that or they could be superhero books. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of calling them sci-fi superhero. True. Uh, so it's all about semantics. I'll give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> but let's say, I don't know, uh, under space fantasy, probably just like eight or nine-ish, you know? And it's confusing okay. because I don't count the, what I count the Anderley books is that. I call those um, yeah. paranormal uh, sci-fi because okay. it's more about vampires and werewolves in space and right. those kind of situations, sci-fi situations. Uh, so if you, if you lump those in there too, then of course I have the 12 to 16 that I wrote with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus the other ones, and yeah, so it's yeah. all—it all depends on what you count. I mean, so the point there, though, is that you've—you've you've got a body of work that is drawing in an income in sips, that is uh, attributing to you know, it's—it's it's streams feeding a larger river, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, the people coming in chasing the trend 
are writing one book and then becoming disappointed that they did they're not they're not killing it right 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 and i would say that like like i, like I mentioned these ones didn't kill it necessarily either and a lot of it is finding that market so somebody might come in and try to write a book copying chris fox mm -hmm. copying tech mage and then yeah the book doesn't kill it but they don't realize that he probably had like 20 authors you know out there sharing that book he probably had like a billion ads going for that book yeah. uh, so as well as it did it wasn't just because he wrote the book and put it out there it was because he wrote the book and put it out there and hopefully found the right audience him as yeah. an example of anybody who does something similar and does well with the book now are you advertising of course in my last book I published, I only did advertising. I didn't do any author shares. It was really cool. Yeah. So, and it, and it did well. It hit. Uh, how, are you, uh, how are you handling the ads? Are you doing exclusive Facebook, uh, AMS, both? What? Mostly AMS. Yeah. I do a little bit of Facebook, but I'm never really sold on it. Because uh, I've been doing well. I've been getting a lot of ads where I get like 10 cents or less a click. Yeah. Nice. Um, I'm, I'm noticing that in my, uh, it, you know, I actually pulled all my ads, uh, mm -hmm. except for a couple of AMS ads um, and they, because they were outperforming literally anything else I, I had out there. So I'm not, I'm really not advertising at all at this point other than just some default ads I left running. Yeah. I just do no. like 10 to 15 on Facebook because I figure if I'm making enough and that's just extra exposure and it might not be paying off. It might be, I don't really care. I figure it's just extra exposure, but the, uh, the Amazon ads are great, but here's what they did recently, which is weird. So I was starting to think I was on AMS King or something like this, right? Like I'm, I'm running in ads. Uh, <laughs> I had one that I spent like $1,200 on, but then it showed, uh, sales of, uh, $1,900. Uh -huh. So I was like, well, it's a good deal. Uh, and then you, that doesn't count KU, you know, so that might be more like $50,000. Who knows? Right. right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Maybe not that much, but you know, <laughs> so I was like, this is not bad. And then for some reason I logged in about four days ago and all of a sudden that $1,900 showed up as $1,100 in sales. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> hold on a second. Okay. So I emailed KU and I haven't heard back or KDP and I haven't heard back on it. So I'm kind of confused what's going on. Um, and I'm a little more hesitant to dump big amounts of money into AMS if they're going to do stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, the odds are it's going to come back as, you know, it would be corrected. Um, Cause it's the same story I think as, as what happens when you're looking at your reporting, uh -huh. you know, like you've gotten, I you know, you got $3,000 worth of sales last week and, but, when you checked it again at the front end of the new week, it's, it's 2,500 and you don't know where those 500 sales went. Hopefully. Yeah. And maybe, the, but they, they tend to pop back up. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the same thing happened on KU uh, for the um, paid reads and all that stuff where it, it was showing like, you know, X number and then all of a sudden it showed a lot less and same thing with the, uh, the money for that same week that the ads thing went down. So yeah, it could have been something weird, some reporting glitch, or I have heard through the grapevine. And I don't know how true it is that they've been doing like corrections where they, yeah. I don't know, they feel like they overpaid or they feel like people were scamming or I don't know, but they've been going through and just like chopping off money, which yeah, yeah. Is scary. It's funny how they don't go and do any adjustments or corrections on the money you spend uh, <laughs> to advertise with them. Right. Uh, we felt like your ad didn't get as much exposure as we promised it would. So, you know, here, here's yeah. $500 back. They never seem to do that. Yeah, yeah. Or if I'm <laughs> dumping in $1,100 into an ad thinking that it's doing well, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, no, it wasn't doing well. Sorry, misreported. Well, shouldn't they refund some of that ad money then? But exactly. Yeah, of course yeah. they won't. They won't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's the cost. That's, that's part of the, the business, right? Right. And, uh, you know, if you're using advertising as a, as a platform in your business, you, you, that's the gamble. Um, you know, and that's why it's risky, but it, it also comes with greater reward. So you, uh, 
and apparently you're seeing that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. How are you, uh, how are you handling advertising that sort of thing? Like, are you just, are you using any tools or anything to come up with keywords or whatever? I, I'm, I'm, I'm nitpicking now. Also, <laughs> uh, I can no. improve my own AMS. Playing around. Um, uh, I, I like uh, KDP Rocket a lot. I think that's awesome. But I don't yeah. really use it much to do this because that would just take too much time like to go through and do all the research. And it's just a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's like, what I use. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and I, I, I think it's a great keywords on KU on the KDP page for sure. Uh, but but with an ad, I'm running like 500 words. So like who has time to run through and check all these 500? So what instead I do is I just put them up there and I put a bid. And if they're doing well, then yay, maybe I'll raise the bid. If they're doing crappy, then I lower the bid. And then yeah. I keep them around because like, so let's say I'm targeting you. If I'm doing a bid for 31 cents, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it's not doing well, like it's not paying off well. Well, I could lower that to 11 cents. Yeah. And I still might get views if lots of people are clicking on you and just scrolling down because they want to find books like yours. Right. You know, I still might get views on that. So I just lower it to 11 cents and then leave it up there for eternity and see yeah. if it clicks. And it might or it might not. Sometimes it does. Sometimes they do really well. Uh, yeah. Other examples like going from a dollar to like 31 cents where it's, you know, anyway, too yeah. much in the weeds maybe. <laughs> nah, I think we're, we're, we're just on the edge of the weeds. Uh, <laughs> no, that's cool. I, uh, you know, well, okay. So, you're you're seeing growth you've you've been at this for a year which congratulations man full time for a year so yeah let's full time for a year and that that's that that's quite a statement i mean you know i know i've known a lot, a lot of authors who went full time and then you know 3 to 6 months in went back to uh yeah. to uh, a full time job don't say that's it scary, don't say yeah? It. <laughs> yeah yeah and it's been growing which is the key right because if it's if it stopped um so i, I haven't like separated myself from Anderley in it by any means, but I haven't written a book uh, with him now in a couple months. Uh-huh. And so, so when I stopped doing that, uh, you know, it's more just like a pause so that I could finally get some of my own stuff out there because it, I've been kind of holding off on all these ideas that I really want to write. And so now mm-hmm. I'm busting them out there. Uh, yeah. There was like a month and a half where the money kind of fell and then all of a sudden it popped back up with the new release. So it's, and it was like kind of double what it was before. So it's, it's been uh, promising. And if I yeah. can keep that up, or even half of that up, I'm still at where I was, or a little bit better even. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so, so in theory, it's, it's it's not something I have to worry about yet. And it seems like as long as people keep buying books, you know, if we're smart enough to be people who figure out how to sell the books and write the books they want, then we shouldn't have a problem because we're always building right. up the mailing list. We're always trying new things to gain new readerships. We're doing the Facebook thing. The worst thing that could happen would be Amazon screws us with some change in the rules and how they do things and what percentage. Right. Right. That'd which be- can happen, which is, yeah. which is why you should probably look at things like draft to digital, just throwing that out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah, it's cool. I, you're, um, so you've got, you've got kind of a, a, a nice role going. You, um, I, I don't know. Are you running into, what are some of the challenges now that you're full time uh, that you didn't stress. have when you were doing it on the side stress yeah, why are you so, getting stressed man yeah yeah so me and nick we, we talked about nick and i talked about this uh, at uh, 20 books conference in vegas last year it's just like well the moment you go full-time and you realize yeah that you have a crappy couple months you're screwed you, you can't pay your rent all of a sudden or something you know you can't afford your kids daycare yeah uh, you can't buy starbucks coffee like there was a moment where uh back in the day i talk about sometimes that um i was at starbucks and my daughter was like i want a lollipop and i'm like okay I don't know if my credit card's going to pay for it. I might get rejected on all five credit cards. 
you wow. know, like going yeah. back to a moment like that, that's scary. We don't yeah. want that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. But this is what I told Nick too. Mm-hmm. And, and he agrees. Eventually he agreed, but <laughs> you know, it's what you pointed out earlier. You, you know, 90 days in advance, what kind of month you're going to have 90 days later. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you know, I just had a crappy month. I have 90 days to build up enough cash to get through that crappy month. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Where are you going to build the cash from? Work in the corner? You, gotta, you, you might have to go out. You have to do some earning, man. <laughs> you got to kick it up. You got to, okay, you're going to go sell some blood or whatever. But no, man, I'm, I'm talking, you could, that's when you, that's the moment. Instead of waiting until you don't have any cash, it's at that moment you got to go do things like, all right, I'm going to take this temporary job, you know, uh, waiting tables, or yeah. I'm going to go uh, mow some lawns, or I'm going to do something to make sure hey, I'm earning. Thing. Here's the thing. I live in the Bay Area. Yeah. Let's not forget that. So, like, if I talk about that I don't have enough to cover expenses, like, our monthly expenses when we figured it out with just daycare, rent, student loans, and all that is like $12,000. Yeah. So, if if my book sales drop by half to be able to cover my expenses, while some people might have monthly expenses of like a thousand or two where you could go away some tables and pay your rent. I'm not going to be able to pay. My I'm rent just off. saying, I'm just saying you got 90 <laughs> days to figure it out. Yeah. So if you have to go find another job, you got 90 days to find a job. And if then I was thinking about that. Yeah. Thinking about the money that we make. I sound like a conceited jerk. Every time I talk about money with all, all the people <laughs> out there who are not making money yet, you're going to be making that in a year from now. So just pretend I'm talking to like you in a year from now, but, uh, <laughs> I'm not like, you know, but I forgot where I was going with that. The point is <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to leave people with some hope, man, that if they're, you know, the, the yeah. good side, the good part about the way we get paid from from the entities like KU. Yeah. Pretty much everybody pays this way. They pay 60 to 90 days out. So the good part is we get a projection of what money we're going to make in, yeah. in 2 to 3 months from now. So yeah. if we have bad months, well, we don't spend as much if we can help it. You know, mm-hmm. we, we dial back on some of the spendings, put some back in savings. We, you know, you spend the good months building up for the bad months and then you, yeah. you have fewer bad months. But that's, yeah. I, I'm glad that we have brought it up though, because this is a thing. Like this is something that happens to a lot of authors who go full time is that mm-hmm. suddenly, you know, you don't have the cushion you had with a full time job. Anytime yeah. you're an entrepreneur, that's the way it is. Yeah. My wife likes to make fun of me because she's like, you're doing what you love. This is like the job of your dreams. Right. And you keep stressing out all the time. You're more stressed out now than you are. I'm having way more fun. I'm way happier, but I'm also yeah. way more stressed out at the same time. Also, what I was going to say is like to go back and get a day job now that would pay the same amount as what the books are paying. Yeah. It's just not possible with my resume anymore. So yeah. it's, it's, it, that's a tough. So like every time you even think about, oh, my, my book sales are, are falling, but you're like, but the day job that I could get based on my resume now wouldn't even cover the expenses that we're at now. <laughs> I know. I, look, I, I hear you, man. I had this, uh, my wife and I've had this conversation in the past. Um, there was a point at which uh, things weren't going so hot. I wasn't making very much money. And uh, it was, the discussion became, you know, maybe you should think about going and taking at least like a part-time job. Yeah. And I, I, had, I had to sit down and do math, which curse you for making me do right but at this show i will literally lose money we'll actually make less money if i stop doing what i'm doing the, the breakneck pace of publishing you know writing and publishing continuously if i yeah. stop doing that we'll we'll lose money while i have a job yep 
And that it, it's a that's a weird reality to come to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the hard part there is you start looking at like when you have one book that's successful, you start thinking, oh, all I got to do is double up, and then the yeah. next one will be successful, and the next one. But it's not, of course. You know, like never. Every There's book no goes differently. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Like even if it's in the same series, or even if it's, it's like a totally another series, but the same idea, it might sell half, or you never know, it might sell double. Yeah, so that that's weird. But uh, but that's what I was talking about before we got on is why I'm starting to just have more fun with it and just yeah, trying to just think. Okay, what do I need to write next? No, what do I feel like writing next? What's going to yeah. be fun right now? And yeah. I've been doing that, and it's it's been great. Yeah, I, I I think it's the right choice. I mean, I think that's the exact right way to do that. You uh, go off and and build that that business that allows you to enjoy the work you're doing. It makes it a lot easier to come back to it, put those heavy hours into it. Um, I recently read a book. Um, I think it's James Scott Bell wrote uh, about um, uh, pulp fiction writers. Mm. You know, actually, the whole pulp fiction model for indie publishers, basically. Yeah. Um, and we, and it, it hit me that we're much more like those pulp fiction guys than I ever would have thought. We are, we are indie authors are essentially pulp fiction writers in the way we approach our career. It's more about getting getting good, high energy stories out. You said this basically when uh, you were talking about, you know, there's form and structure in the traditional world, in the script yeah. writing world, in the game world. Uh, and in the indie world, there's less of that um, depending on what your audience is and what they're craving. Mm -hmm. And we build product for the reader. We build product the reader wants. Yeah. Right? yeah. And if you try to go write that other stuff, a lot of these readers are going to rebel and say, this is crap. <clears throat> Why'd you do this? Right. This is depressing right. me or it's too slow or it's too slow is the one, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's really kind of interesting to watch comments and, and uh, reviews because there's that crowd that wants me to be um, my personal uh, demons here, but you know, there's that crowd that wants me to be um, the Dan Brown uh, spend five years researching before I write the book. Yeah. And they're, they're very one star disappointed in me. <laughs> and then there's that crowd. that's like, I love reading Dirk Pitt novels and uh, you know, and I love watching Indiana Jones films and I love national treasure. And this was an exciting ride. I couldn't put down five yeah. stars. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all about finding that, finding that audience. That's the right ones that all gave you five stars. At some point. Right. Right. <laughs> Getting them so, all on your mailing list. Right. Do you, uh, how about you in reviews? How do you, do you uh, how are reviews going for you? Uh, they're going okay. So um, I don't want to talk too much about the pen name stuff, but I've recently been doing pen name stuff. Yeah. And that's been interesting. Uh, it's been more of a moneymaker. It's been, uh, I'm meaning that I've, I've been making more money from, but I've also been having way more fun. Uh, yeah. Like I love writing my regular books, but on this, I'm just doing whatever the heck I want. Like yeah. I feel like doing that. I'm going to put a goat with a unicorn horn on, whatever. I'm going to do it. Yeah. So little ones, you know. uh, if I feel like I haven't done that, but you know, like butt stallion. That's coming up. It's that video game, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, uh, Borderlands, yeah. Yeah, like Borderlands. They had a unicorn that uh, uh, had a rainbow tail and farts unicorn farts uh, rainbows or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like stupid stuff like that. If you want to put it in there, whatever. Uh, yeah. And those, I think it shows that people are like uh, seeing that I'm having a lot of fun with it, and mm -hmm. not just doing whatever I want fun, but like actual fun. Like the characters are way more right. fleshed out. So when I get my good reviews, they're like, "Wow!" Uh, but then of course there's these people who are like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> I want my money back, yeah. not just for this book, for every book I've ever read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So those have, those have been funny in that sense of the, uh, you see some major haters uh, because you're not just trying to write to the market or write to the, the tropes or write to the structure. Yes. Yeah. Writing and having fun with it. And, and sometimes, like I said, it, it does better. 
uh, people see that you love it and see that you're passionate about it. Yeah. And, that and then uh, if you have a lot of swearing or other stuff in there, then yeah, that could get you both ways. Right. But you know, it's, it, it is, it does come down to know your audience though. You know, what right. you're talking about is writing to a specific type of reader. Yep. And there are enough of those readers out there willing to shell out the, you know, four or five bucks or whatever your asking price is for your book to, uh, to enjoy one of your books, which means that you get to enjoy their money. And, uh, and that's what it's all about, right? You're, you're just going out and finding the audience that, that resonates with the stuff that you love writing. Yeah, exactly. And then you get these weirdos who think that you're like writing a market because you're suddenly loving writing what you love. And, yeah. uh, and then you're thinking about the market, but it's not, yeah. There's a big difference between that. I guess there's this big stigma now around like the right to market crowd. Yeah, well, this? yeah, I've no, yes, I've heard, I've heard this. I get flack for this all the time. Oh yeah. 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 But you're basically, you've been, mostly just done sci-fi and now you're mostly doing thrillers. It's not yeah. like you're all over the place chasing every trend that there is. Right. Which is not what most people that get accused of writing to market are doing. Yeah, uh, what are they doing? I'm, they're, they're going off and finding a market and writing books that appeal to that market. <laughs> They're doing what you're talking about. They're doing, yeah. you know, the right, they're doing this the right way. I think, uh, I think a lot of people who complain about writers who write to market don't understand marketing. Right. <laughs> and they're probably not doing very well. And I challenge you listeners and viewers, if you disagree with me, you may, you may confront me on this, but I think most of the people who complain about it don't actually know anything about it. They don't know what right to market means and they don't know how to write to market. Yeah. Yeah. So for example, if I was, um, if I was writing a book with lots of violence in it, I'm just use that as an example. Right. Um, and then I was getting a lot of readers giving me one stars cause like, damn, there's too much blood in this dude. There's too much right. blood. As a right to market person or as a marketer, I don't know, as a person who lets that affect my decisions, I might take out the blood in the next few books and start mm -hmm. or even revise the ones I have and do that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not gonna do that because I like writing blood. <laughs> but, okay, but the key difference here is you're, you have uh, determined, you've determined your market. Your market is the people who read the book that has that violence in it. Yeah. You're not, you're not chasing trends. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're sticking with your market. And the, the, now, if it came down to, I either take the blood out or I don't make a living. Right. I'm guessing you would probably take the blood out. Yeah. I'd probably go find some other market. Yeah. And then yeah. that maybe that's the right to market aspect. I don't know. That's the, that's the weird part It's like, yeah, if you're writing, like I wrote Falls of Redemption, that's a fun yeah. fantasy book. Some of my fans think it's the best book I've ever written. Some of them yeah. were diehard fans because of that book, but it, it didn't really sell well. And then I was like, well, I could keep writing books that don't sell well, or I could right. write something else that I'm really passionate yeah, about. You know, nobody ever complains about, um, you know, Brad Pitt or Matt Damon uh, taking a break from blockbuster films to make their project film. Right? right, their passion project. They're acting to market. Right, they don't. There's no acting to market. There's no directing to market. But it's the exact same thing. Now, if you go off and you write, you know, a whole bunch of books that you know are going to sell well, and you're having fun with it, uh, and you do that, and then you decide, I'm going to write. I'm going to write. So I'm considering doing this. Right, I'm going to write literature. Mm -hmm. I'm going to write a book that is just pure literature, and it may not sell a single copy. Yeah. But by God, I'm going to write it because that's what I want to write. Um, Did it. you know, that's why you write the other books. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I have my literary novel out there that sells two copies a year. That's fine. I did yeah. it because I wanted to. <laughs> right. There, there are, I, I guess I see the criticism. There are some authors out there who basically just every time something's selling, they suddenly put out like five books in that something. And you could tell like every single one of them is written 
yeah like following every single trope there is and i don't want to judge other authors but that's I'm the difference that's though what they're talking about yeah i don't that's not to me and, uh, and to most people who use the phrase right to market mm-hmm. uh, that's not writing to market right that's that's chasing a market like or that's chasing trends you know right. And you're, you know, writing to market means you go off and you, you decide, I want to write space vampire novels. And then you go find a market that appreciates space vampire novels. Mm-hmm. You don't say, oh, space vampire novels are hot. I'm going to write space vampire novels. Yeah. And yeah. even though I hate the idea, that, that's where I think the mix-up is. So. Well, yeah, and I think it's about the, tro- the tropes too, like knowing yeah. what the tropes are. And, and, and it's funny because you might hear some of these people criticize those same authors as a... Uh, Oh, they didn't follow the tropes, and at the same time, they're like, "Well, they're just copying the tropes." So it's yeah, <laughs> this yeah. weird uh, conundrum going on there. That's but, why you just don't pay attention to any of that crap and you just write what you love. Exactly, and that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. Just have fun with it, you know. Like, yeah, a good yeah. motto. Whenever you, if you guys hear me stressing out, just write me a quick message on Facebook. Say, "Have fun with it, dude." Have yeah, that's what I'll do to you. <laughs> I'm just gonna <laughs> randomly say, I'm gonna, "What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna set an auto responder." Yeah, <laughs> just throw that at you every, you know randomly every month or so yeah I'm having um, a lot of fun with it now this uh this newest series the starforged one that uh me and my wife outlined together that one has been like this weird mixture because we spent so much time outlining it we outlined it over a year of like all these uh date nights and stuff yeah uh the series uh it's also been like this kind of stress point where i'm like i'm having fun with it but at the same time i feel all this pressure because there's all this story already figured out and all yeah. these high concepts and like yeah. i feel like it's the best thing i've ever written you know and so because of that, it's making it a little bit more stressful. Uh, but then at the same time, like I went out to write the other day, got myself a big humongous mocha with some whipped cream on it. And I just sat back and I'm like, I'm gonna have fun. And I, I get some good stuff in there. So I think it's fine trying to figure out what it is that'll set off that have fun mode in you so that you can work on those projects that would normally stress you out. I think it's interesting. You got your wife involved in the outlining of that. Now, the last time I, t- I talked to you about your writing and your wife in the same sentence it, it seemed to me like she was still kind of iffy about this whole thing um yeah. has that changed back. yeah she no no it hasn't changed she <laughs> <laughs> she liked the idea of doing that together and it was fun uh but yeah. then we uh started to get ready to have a baby so yeah. that all fell aside of course because it was like where's the time and then we moved also yeah and yeah and then i was like you want to do some more talking about that and she's kind of like Eh. <laughs> <laughs> but then i'm also a control freak you know like and i'm yeah. the one writing it so i have to kind of take it where i want so i think there's part of that is when you when you work with somebody and you find out that uh they're going to take it their own way then it doesn't really feel like yours as much anymore yeah sure yeah my, my wife and i have uh, kicked around ideas for a while on on something and you know we finally agreed that she should write it uh because if i write it you know it's not going to go the direction she <laughs> wants yeah and uh you know, it's, it is, it's stressful, man. I mean, I, we did a whole road trip to Colorado Springs and half the road trip was us talking about this book. Yeah. And I, I, I will confess I was getting more and more frustrated because I'm like, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to write this. I don't want to yeah. write the book that you're outlining. Uh, so you're going to have to write it. And uh, if you're asking my opinion about these things, I hate that idea. I love that idea, you know? So yeah. I, that kind of collaboration would be very tough <laughs> and i think there's some stuff that we can write and some stuff we can't you know yeah, yeah. But like there's some cool ideas that she would have for the story but i'm like if i sit down to try to write that i have no idea it might take a paragraph because i would yeah. just be like and all that happened because i don't know how yeah. to write that as a five right. chapter thing that it should be yeah it's just it doesn't make sense in my brain you know and but I, I, might be perfect for that i think what would work great for me and karen i, I may even actually try this um 
because she she comes up with some great ideas and she'll have dreams that are fully fleshed out novels you know i'm like well you're so infuriating like go write this and just <laughs> become the billionaire that i want to be just go do it yeah. i don't care i just want these things to exist um but if you know she's like I, I maybe you should write it and i will but here's the deal i'm gonna we'll have to put it in writing man like okay i care tomlinson hereby you know, hand over all rights to the story to Kevin Tomlinson, who's going to finish it the way he sees fit. <laughs> I will not be able to revise it and change it and yell at him for screwing it up. And it's the yelling at me <laughs> that I'm trying to avoid. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. Man. No. I'm trying to encourage her to write. Are you trying to trying to get your wife to actually write? She won't. Um, partly also because English is a second language or a fifth language or whatever. Have her but, have her write it in her language, man. All right. Yeah. I had and one then of my you can translate it language it was kind of cool or a guy did it you know for free a guy did it did you uh now did she read it in her language i don't know if she did i think her grandma and her aunt and some other family members did i think that's very interesting (laughs) (laughs) yeah well they all said that the translator did an amazing job so i'm like well was it me or was it the translator (laughs) i know that's the question i would have that's that's the thing that would keep me awake at night (laughs) because if the book tanked it would be the same thing i'd be like you know, was it a crap book or, or, you know, did the translator screw me? Uh, so that would be tough. That's exactly. cool. So you had someone do it for free. Are you trying, you well, getting all your books translated or what? No, no, no. It was Babel cube, you know, Babel cube. Oh, like Babel cube. Yeah. So that's what I mean by free is like, it was a royalty share thing, but yeah. I've had like, I think I've had like $5 in royalties over two years from Babel cube. So not yeah. something I necessarily get behind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Because of yeah. that, I think you're familiar. We talked a long time ago where, I had a French company, a, a subgroup of Hachette come to me and buy the rights for some of my books. And that was cool because I got a nice advance and the, the, they did yeah. a print run and it ended up selling like 10,000 copies in its first week or something like that, which is yeah. pretty exciting. Uh, and so like things happened that I think all were related to Babel Cube because they already saw I had books translated. Mm-hmm. There's a Turkish one too. Uh, so I wouldn't say that anything that you ever try is a complete loss. Either you just learn that it's not something that works for you or right. somewhere down the line, it might pay off in some other random way, right? Yeah. 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 That's exactly right, man. That's the right attitude. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, look, we're, we're, we're toward the end of this. I want to respect your time and all. Uh, so we'll go ahead and wrap up. Uh, so you've got, so the book that's out are now, as of this interview, it's not yet out, it's in pre-order. Uh, but the book that's uh, hitting shelves is star forged. Yeah. And that's, um, uh, sci-fi. No, was it, uh, was it, what's the, Space, space superheroes. Space superhero <laughs> fantasy. Yeah, yeah. I, I call it like uh, superheroes in space in this science fantasy novel. <laughs> okay, man. I want to see the I want to see the bisect category for this book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I think the key is to pick one and you know go with it. So I'm still calling it space opera or space fantasy when I refer to yeah. it usually, but then I'm saying superheroes because I'm referring them to superheroes. They basically get the yeah. same their powers in a similar way as like Fantastic Four, you know. Okay. Uh, so it's not like they go and they go to a magic school and learn how to cast Alohomora or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Straight up, they get powers. <laughs> they powers. So can you want to call that fantasy or you want to call that superheroes? Where do you draw the line as superheroes versus fantasy? Quick, quick. Where do, where do I draw the line between superheroes and fantasy yeah, or superheroes and sci-fi? No, magic versus superheroes. Like, See, because magic can be part of the superhero. We know magic is part of the superhero um, right. you know, landscape because you know, Doctor Strange and Doctor Fate and you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a whole lot of magic based characters. So I think um, it's more about motives. Um, 
and uh, the, the style of storytelling. So, you know, is the character and their abilities fairly central to the story? That's a, right. that's a superhero. And fighting genre. villains and evil. Fighting people. a villain, taking down, you know, it's, it's you know, the idea, because you've also got, is Ripley in Aliens a superhero because she has a giant armor that she wears? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that's a little more stretch, but sure. I'm just, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, it's like a, Tony Stark, it's Tony Stark has armor, <laughs> but I think the difference is she had armor because of an opportunity of the story. Right. This was a tool resource she stumbled on. Yeah. And it wasn't like now she goes around, you know, yeah. fighting aliens in this armor. Wasn't but, part of her identity. Yeah. Right. It's a, yeah, it, there, there you go. Is it a part of the, the character's identity now? Yeah, like this this ability. Uh, but then again, you've also got stories like um, uh, True Blood. Uh, uh, the I forget her. I forget the character's name that the whole Charlotte Harris thing is. Yeah, yeah. Suki, Suki something. Okay. Um, you know, she has a she has yeah. a paranormal ability. You yeah. could potentially treat that like a superhero story. It's like Buffy. If she's got superpowers. Superhero stuff, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's all of that kind of stuff where it's kind of semantics, kind of how you take the story. This is interesting. I'm going to be thinking about this for a while now, because I because <laughs> I want to know where that line is. Because you know, I like well, the whole superhero tr- uh, right. landscape. I like those stories. And a lot of superhero authors get pissed because urban fantasy is always showing up in the superhero categories. Yeah. But then that it's a pretty thin line. So how do you draw that? And then the only difference is mine is now urban fantasy in space in the future so future fantasy and you're just like all right just throw a trope at me i'm gonna throw it it's gonna be in there whatever it's a potpourri <laughs> of fiction sure it's really just the story i want to tell though you know it's i love that man i think i think and, it, and if what's great about what you're doing what what you've got going is you're it's not just i'm gonna just write what i want to write it's I'm going to write when I write and there's an audience for it and so i'm going to make a living off of it and that's that's the dream right there yeah, so there is like uh, Falls of Redemption, the fourth book in that series, I always wanted to write. I haven't because I know it won't make any money or it won't make much money. So that kind of sucks. And it's kind of lame that we have to think about it some ways. But it is yeah. the f- truth that you, you do want your book to sell. And if people yeah. aren't leaving reviews and they're not paying for books two and three, that's kind of a voter issue. You know, like they've all voted yeah. that they don't really want book four. Maybe a right. hundred of them do. But the rest of the thousands of audiences, hundreds of thousands, whatever, just uh, go back and re- rewrite the, all those books and put them in space and, uh, and give him superpowers. Yeah. <laughs> Just do it, you know. Well, I mean, that's what uh, I think Brian Cohen did that with uh, yeah. some of his books. Ted I have Ted thought Ford. about it, not for that series, but for my, uh, my werewolf series, Hounds of God, because it would fit really well with a lot of this stuff. Uh, if, but I would piss off people and I'd feel untrue to myself. So not something I can do. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, you know me, I'm, so I'm controversially, I am a iterative publisher. I think that that work doesn't have to be carved in stone. I think, you know, I've got my book. So I wrote Evergreen. I wrote Evergreen in one day, right? It's a paranormal thriller, like a Dean Kunst style thing, right? Really could be a superhero, uh, story ultimately. Um, I'm going to go back and retouch it because there's a lot of, because it was written in one day, you know, 60,000 words in one day, there are some errors. Um, so I'm going to go back and touch that up and fix it up. And uh, I may even write a sequel to it. So yeah, put some space dragons in there. I'm going to put some space dragons. I'm not, I'm not going to put space dragons in it, but 
one can hope and one can dream. <laughs> yeah, <I will laughs> All right. Dream. All right, man. Where can people find you and your work online? Uh, yeah. So justinsloanauthor.com or I have a Facebook group called The Sloan Zone. So you can check that out. The uh, Sloan Zone. <laughs> Why am I not a member of the Sloan Zone yet? Why are you not, man? <laughs> because you're not a fan. Because you hate me. I'm a hater. I'm <laughs> gonna I'm gonna start my own Facebook group, Sloan Haters. Sloan Haters. Uh, uh, actually, that might get me more sales. So it's kind of we can start. A dude, feed. I'm telling you, man. If you can get people to unite against you, it will boost your sales. I've noticed this. <laughs> yeah, I had it happen recently to me, and it, I do think. It hurt me and it helped me. It was like a, a double-edged sword, right? Or it was a, it was a one side of the sword was a nice cushion and the other was a blade. <laughs> oh, nice. Not yeah. a double-edged sword. The opposite. Well, of that's that. a whole can of worms I wish we had gotten to earlier, but uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Um, I appreciate you being on the show, man. You, you hang out. Uh, now, everybody else, you may be hearing the groovy theme music. You may dance in place as well. I'm going to have some uh, industry news and other things on the other side of this break, so stick around. Justin, thanks so much for being on the show, man. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. We'll see you all next time. Hear your book the way it was meant to be heard. With a fully custom soundtrack based on your material. An album of music that perfectly fits your characters, your settings. Hear your book today. Sonatainscribe.com. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Justin Sloan. Got something useful out of that. Um, you can find pretty much all things Justin Sloan. Uh, if you go onto the uh, show notes of this episode, there are links to his uh, his website, justinsloanauthor.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at Justin M. Sloan, because uh, there are other Justin Sloans in the world. Uh, go check that out. You can find all the links to that at wordslingerpodcast.com on the show notes. Or, if you're on YouTube, uh, just look down below. You can find the link to all that stuff there. Now, I don't want to delay us in this because there's some really cool, interesting stories I want to hop into, but let's jump on in to the industry news. Now, first up, BookFunnel announces print codes. This is uh, this is exciting news. This is something, uh, now I'm reading this off of the BookFunnel blog, um, which you can check out. This is the Friday, July 13th edition. Um, this is an announcement that uh, they're adding a, basically the ability to give readers uh, a code to allow them to download a book um, while you are at conferences and conventions and book signings and that sort of thing. Now, if you're not familiar with BookFunnel, BookFunnel was created by a good friend of mine, actually, J- Damon Courtney. He lives pretty close to me here in Texas. Um, BookFunnel allows authors to uh, send their readers a link that allow them to download that book on any of the platforms they prefer, and it supports them uh, the whole way. So it sounds familiar, right? That's, a, that's kind of the draft-to-digital model in a way. But, um, but, but what BookFunnel does that's pretty unique is they take the burden of support off of the author. So when you have a reader, a very kind, elderly person who uh, does not fully understand their e-reader device or the app on their phone or whatever they're using to read um, – you don't have to worry about it. You can send them the link to download the book and BookFunnel takes care of all of it for you. Now, this has been great. They've got some other features that are very cool. Um, they, you can do direct sales through BookFunnel now, which is very nice. Uh, they use uh, PayPal and Square, and I, uh, I believe Gumroad is a, an option. Uh, I may be wrong on some of these, but you can definitely do direct sales. Uh, so if you've ever thought about that, this is a great way to do it. Um, one of the cool things that, that, uh, Damon's done recently with this 
is the ability to drag and drop your <clears throat> your book content. So I can drag and drop my EPUB, my Mobi, my PDF, and uh, just just that's it. I don't have to go searching for it. I don't have to browse for it. It's all right there. <laughs> so that's cool. Um, and that's something that, that has really impressed me. But uh, And Damon's constantly, constantly tinkering and upgrading this thing. This is one of the better developed um, author-related products out there, in my opinion. I mean, it's just, it's getting closer and closer to flawless. I mean, I have a hard time finding flaws in it as there is, as it is. So... But now with print codes, uh, this is something very cool. I think um, I'm going to read directly from the, the uh, blog posting because this sums it up better, I think, than I could. Um, what is a print code? It's a tiny little code you can give to a reader to download a copy of your book. Print them on postcards, bookmarks, business cards. Write them on the back of their hand in black marker, whatever you want. Each code is good for one download, and once it's redeemed, it can't be used again. Give a reader a print code and direct them to mybookcode.com where they can download the book and BookFunnel will handle the rest. Super easy. Um, I could not agree with that statement more. This is the easiest way I can think of to uh, promote your book when you're at conventions and conferences and book signings. When you're just out in public, you just went to co to get a coffee. You know, you just went to grab a sandwich. Um, you're wearing one of your um, your written world <laughs> Kevin Tumlinson designed, uh, did I mention I'm a novelist t-shirts and someone asked you about it. It's a great way to break the ice and <laughs> increase your discoverability. Um, so I'm going to read again from, from the, the post here. What are the advantages of print codes? Each code is only good for one reader to download. There are no public links available to be passed around the interwebs. Once a code is redeemed, the reader has 14 days to download the book when it's gone. Then it is gone, rather. Uh, downloaded ebooks are watermarked, and this is to help protect you uh, in, the, in the event of piracy. Um, it may not stop someone from uploading your book to a piracy site, but what it does is tell you who did it. So you can go after them, take legal action if you need to, uh, or ask them to bring it, pull it down. If you just want to be a nice, nice uh, person about it, you know, you can just ask politely that they take it down. Um, Readers can optionally join your mailing list when they redeem their code. Now, this is one of my favorite features about this thing because it means that you can now term these physical interactions, these 3D world interactions uh, that you have with folks into an opportunity to grow your mailing list. They can, you know, you can require them to sign up to your mailing list just to get this freebie, just like you could from your website. So it, it becomes a funnel, okay? Um, that is incredible. I love, I love that feature. I mean, I love that that's there. It's optional, but uh, I think you should do it. <laughs> it's a great way to build your platform, grow, build your list. Uh, you know who is downloading your book. Even if they don't join your mailing list, you can send them a thank you follow-up email. And you can use that to, uh, to promote the next book, to uh, encourage them to, you know, maybe they get a discount code. Maybe um, you're asking them to get on your mailing list at that point. Uh, there's a there's a lot you can do with this. This is this is smart functionality on the part of Damon and his crew. So check it out. Um, if you want to see this story, you can uh, you can do so in the show notes of this episode at wordslingerpodcast.com or on YouTube or Facebook uh, just down below. Or uh, you can go there directly. I've got a link for you if you go to bitly slash 155-bookfunnel, you'll find that story. Now, next up, 
Um, Kobo says, keep your book description shorter than 4,000 characters or it will be excluded from walmart.com. Now, you may or may not know this story, but uh, walmart.com is now going to become a sales channel for Kobo, a distribution channel for Kobo. Um, If you are distributing through Draft2Digital, by the way, to Kobo, your books can be included on uh, walmart.com. So this is a this is huge for a lot of authors. This is this puts Kobo in the same space as Amazon, honestly, in, in terms of competitiveness in the marketplace. Um, but uh, this is a potential. This is something you're going to want to pay attention to. Um, I'm picking this story up from the Digital Reader. Nate was nice enough to uh, include a mention of Draft Digital in this article, but uh, I'll get to that in just a second. Um, quoting from this article. As you may have heard, Kobo is going to be launching in Walmart in the U.S. very soon. We want to let you know that due to a limitation on Walmart.com's side, they are not able to accept book descriptions longer than 4,000 characters. This limit includes spaces, punctuation, and all embedded HTML. A description that is longer than 4,000 characters will not completely block the book from being sent to Walmart.com, but it will result in the description showing as blank on Walmart product pages. Uh, So that is something you're going to want to pay attention to, this character limitation. Now, uh, Nate was kind enough to mention Draft2Digital, saying if you're an author who uses book distributors like Draft2Digital to put your books in Kobo, now would be a good time to check your book descriptions make sure they are compatible with Walmart's rules. Here's the thing. uh, We already have a 4,000 character limit on Draft2Digital's side. So you cannot enter a book description larger than 4,000 characters anyway. Uh, Now that may not be true on other distributors or aggregators. So you're going to want to take a look and make sure that you're in compliance. But we at Draft2Digital will make sure your book is in compliance with all of our vendors. And this is part of our vendor relationship with uh, Kobo. So uh, 4,000 characters is the limit. If you're going more than 4,000 characters in your book description, you are doing this wrong. Uh, Talk to me. (laughs) Because there's and uh, read my uh, read my book uh, write a better book description because <laughs> you can get this in far under four thousand characters. Um, next up is my I'm going to call this my story of the week. This is a, this is something that's really cool for me, really fascinating. But how to this also comes from Digital Reader. Thanks, Nate. Uh, how to lease a virtual Mac online to upload eBooks to iBooks. Um, for the longest time now, the only way to get your book into the Apple iBook store or what's now called the Apple Books store um, was to use a Mac. Um, or you could use an aggregator such as Draft2Digital to, uh, to make sure your book... I think we're pretty much the only ones who can do this. We have this relationship with Apple so that you can upload your, um, your book to one source and it'll distribute to Apple Books as well as the others. Uh, so that's what a lot of people use us for. Um, because Macs are prohibitively expensive for some people, you know, uh, a baseline Mac might cost you a couple of grand. So this is a, this has been an issue. Um, there's also the issue of certain software that people like, such as Vellum is proprietary to the Mac. You can't run that on windows. So, uh, in order to use that, you need an Apple system, but, uh, now, Without having to drop thousands of dollars in cash, you can actually lease a Mac in uh, online, essentially a virtual Mac. They'll let you run Vellum. They'll let you go to the um, the Apple Bookstore and run practically any other Mac proprietary software you'd like to run. 
the uh, the article gives a nice little list. There's like five of these that you might want to ch check out. The one that I have tried and played around with, although I'm a Mac user, but I was interested in this. This is something I wanted way back when. I wanted this to exist for a long time now. <laughs> but um, Mac in cloud was the one I tried. And it happens to be the top of uh, the list here. It's a dollar an hour to $49 a month. Um, and it's so it's listed as potentially the cheapest option if you know what you're doing with a Mac. A good solution might be to start with one of its better plans and then scale back to the dollar per hour plan once you're all set up. Um, but I've played around with this, and it is uh, if you are familiar with the Mac um, operating system, it is kind of it is kind of a nice uh, virtual machine. Um, but this is um, this is very cool. Now some of the others listed: Mac Stadium, uh, VM. OSX, xcloud.me, and Xcode Club. These are all virtual Macs with various tiers of pricing. Um, uh, some are more than others. Some offer more features than others. But what this will let you do is uh, get past the barrier of, you know, you can buy an inexpensive laptop. And, I mean, folks, I've found, I have found brand new Windows-based machines that can do everything you need to do as an author for, you know, 200 bucks or less. So, uh, these are good investments if you if you need the equipment, but uh, if you need Mac, you know, popping an extra fifty bucks a month to twenty, you know, maybe twenty five bucks a month uh, will allow you to expand what you can do with that machine. So this is good to try out. Now, um, if you if you need these services, you don't necessarily have to use Mac proprietary software to do this stuff. Um, as an example, I mean, I'm just gonna wedge draft a digital in here because that's what I do but draft a digital will convert your ebook for you uh, for free uh, it'll get your book onto Apple books for free you can do the the cool looking templates which are very similar to vellum for free so all that stuff is available for you with no extra charge but if you are dead set you want the power of vellum vellum is a nice piece of software I use myself uh, if you want to be able to go direct to Apple and not go through an aggregator maybe you just want to save the, the 10% or something along those lines, then uh, you can look into this uh, Mac in the cloud, uh, virtual Mac leasing, and uh, that might that might be the road for you. So that's, uh, that's it. That's a pretty cool thing. I just, uh, I just think that's cool. I love the whole virtual machine thing. What I want is to be able to run this on an iPad or, or a tablet of some kind uh, so that I could use a full Mac OS on an iPad, for example. What's up, Apple? Why are you not putting full, <laughs> full Mac OS on Apple? Whatever. But that is your industry news for this week before I get into a, uh, a rant and tirade um, over that sort of thing. So that's it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Wordslinger Podcast. I hope you got something fantastic out of it. Uh, I know I did. I continue to streamline and uh, refine my process for producing these episodes. You have no way of knowing this. But I've recorded this entire episode at least three times today uh, because of various issues. But I, what I, one of the things I've done is I'm recording directly into uh, Final Cut Pro 10 right now rather than recording into uh, outside software. I'm just dropping it directly on the timeline. I think that's going to save me some time. Um, you know, I'm continuing to iterate and uh, improve the process, we'll say. Uh, but I, there were some hiccups. <laughs> <laughs> the first first time I recorded the episode, I didn't realize my microphone it was defaulting to the built-in mic on the Mac, and it sounded like garbage. <laughs> I was this close, this close to deciding, eh, 
<laughs> but no, no, my commitment to you, dear listener uh, and, and dear viewer, I couldn't do it to you. So, uh, but anyway, I hope you're enjoying it. Let me know. Pop on over to wordslingerpodcast.com. Leave me a, uh, a message. You can leave me a voicemail from that site, or you can actually pop in and uh, send me an email, or uh, pop something into the comments below. I'm trying to get a little better at paying attention to the YouTube comments. I, I'm terrible about it because it's it's just not it's not easy for me to do. <laughs> I keep having to hop between whatever. You've heard this story before. I'm not going to get into that, but um, reach out to me. I am reach outable. <laughs> so. That's it. I uh, hope you. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Take care of yourselves out there. It's the summer. We're traveling. We got more road trips and things like that going on. I, I want you to be safe out there. Uh, you know, have fun with your family. Make some great memories. But but stay safe. Come back next week. We'll talk some more. So, God bless you. Have a fantastic weekend. I'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Wordslinger Podcast. Now, you can support this show by visiting wordslingerpodcast.com. That's where you're going to find back episodes, books by me, and links to anything and everything Wordslinger. And be sure to subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and anywhere else fine podcasts are sold. I'm Kevin Tomlinson. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Wordslinger.